Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's take this outside with Marianne Iveson, the podcast where she speaks to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about why they connect with nature. Catherine Cochran is a trail runner, endurance athlete, and coach in the Ottawa Gatineau region, and someone that I see on the trails all the time. Quick little wave. Originally from the west coast of Newfoundland, Catherine has spent many years exploring backcountry trails and coastlines. A recent highlight of her trail running career has been winning the Quebec Mega Trail 50K in 2021 and making her first Canadian national team for trail running. Catherine is also a road and trail running coach for Mile to Marathon, coaching athletes locally in Ottawa and then also all over the country remotely. She also co-leads a trail running group with her partner, Nat. And outside of running, she can be found working as a sports massage therapist and hanging out with her cat, Mr. Buckins. Please welcome to Let's Take This Outside. Here is Catherine Cochran. We know each other, well, not specifically, but we met through the Ottawa outdoor community. It's super small and we don't know each other well. In fact, we've only like really kind of waved on the trails before and then through social media, but I'm really excited to chat with you. I'm so glad that you said yes. But you just got back from the Boston Marathon, but as a coach or as a cheer squad, I would love to hear about that experience and how you feel after coming back from it. Yeah, it was super inspiring. Having been there four times myself, I kind of had strict guidelines for my partner as to like where I should stand and what we need to do before the race in order to like get him prepped and ready. But to be a part of it, you know, we had 15 other Ottawa athletes and I think 46 mile to marathon athletes throughout Canada that were participating. So to be a part of that and like watch everyone go through their training and watch them crush it to the finish line on Monday was was awesome. It must be a different kind of nervousness being on the other side of it. And it's your, your partner, Nat, right? Yeah. It was his first one. Yeah, yeah. He was one of those annoying people that ran his first marathon really quickly and qualified. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so it takes some people like a decade to qualify. And yeah, he did it on his first time. What's the difference in the like the nervous energy between actually running it and then cheering and, and being on the other side of it? Oh, I think I prefer running, honestly. Some FOMO? Yeah, there's a lot of FOMO. But from the coaching and the cheering side of things, you're more so like you're not managing your own anxiety. You're kind of managing everyone's anxiety. So that's that's a completely different feeling. Yeah, more stressful because you kind of you don't want to let them down that if you're not at a certain point to cheer, if you're not at the finish line right away and they're, you know, they're freezing their butt off. Yeah, it wasn't as enjoyable. to. (laughs) I would rather be running. Are you thinking you're like, no, no, I need to do this again next year. I need to get back and, and actually like run this time. Yeah, that is the plan. Obviously, continue on the trails, but my partner, he qualified, he requalified again next year. And it's a good goal to have throughout Ottawa winter to just like chip away at something for early spring. So that's the plan. I want to talk more about coaching later, but let's go back to like the start of the outdoors and your love for it, starting on the East Coast and the West Coast of Newfoundland. By the way, did I pronounce that right? (laughs) Newfoundland? That's pretty good. (laughs) 
tell me, first of all, like about your upbringing, exploring the backcountry trails, the coastlines, and then moving to Ottawa. And like, you know, I've, I've talked about it so many times on this podcast, how Ottawa is such like a mecca for outdoor sport. But bring me back to the beginning. Yeah, I grew up in a super small town, about 2000 people, maybe, but about an hour south of Grossmore National Park. So we were always just sent outside. I remember my dad, like if it was, you know, dinner time or something, my dad would just open the door and just yell out at us for, you know, just to come home. And we were out in the woods or whatever. But yeah, I think it's always been a part of my upbringing, whether it's hiking or fishing or, you know, skiing, snowboarding, that kind of thing. But I started working as a, a backpacking and sea kayaking guide when I was in my late teens for a company called Gross One Adventures. And I think that's really what planted the seed for me. You know, we, I think, always appreciated what we had locally in terms of our easy access to the outdoors and just the vast openness and literally nobody around. But when you're sharing it with outsiders and visitors to the province, they really make you appreciate what you have. There's nothing like it. And when you go back, I know that you've like, according to your social media anyway, because that's how we creep each other nowadays. You go back and probably visit family. But how does that feel to go back and be on those trails again and be on the coast again? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I think like most East Coasters and Newfoundlanders, it'll always be home and it always feels like going home. There's nothing quite like it. I've never been to the West Coast of Canada, but the East Coast is like top of my bucket list. If you're recommending for people to go out visit not just Newfoundland, but Nova Scotia, wherever that may be, New Brunswick, where are those trails? Where are those beaches? Where should people be visiting? Where's like some special places? Yeah, I think, I mean, living in Ontario for so long, everyone is like, oh, I've been, I've been out east, I've been to Halifax. That's what it is, because that's all that's out there. Right? <laughs> yeah, I've been to Halifax or, oh, you're from Newfoundland. Cool. I've been to Halifax, like different province. Honestly, I think going to specifically Grossmore National Park, I'm obviously very biased, but Grossmore National Park or Cape Breton Highlands will knock your socks off. It is if you're looking for wide open spaces, it's not crowded. People are really nice. Newfoundlanders are really nice. Yeah, it's obviously a little bit more expensive to get there and not quite as convenient as driving, but well worth it. I think about going out there and visiting and like I'm definitely I feel more connection to mountains, but of course there's something really special about the ocean. If you could pick one between the ocean and mountains and trails, like, is that, is that too tough of a question to ask an East Coaster? Oh, yeah, that's tough because I feel like we don't have really big mountains. We have small little mountains on the East Coast, but there's nothing quite like, like being on like a single track trail that's along the ocean and there's cliffs and the water's crashing and there might be a sunset or whales or that's just the best, honestly. You can kind of get a bit of both worlds with that too. You can still feel like you're, you know, really high and on top of everything, but without, yeah, you can get the ocean and all the things that come with that. That's something that we don't get here as whales. We may get water here, but we don't get, that's not something that we get here. There are no whales. (laughs) So when did you move to Ottawa and when did you just, like, did you just naturally kind of intertwine yourself in the community or did it take a few years before that happened? Yeah, I moved to Ottawa in 2013. And I'll be honest, I found Ottawa to be really difficult to kind of like immerse myself in, which I've heard from a lot of people because I didn't work for the government. I didn't have any friends when I moved here. I didn't have a car, which were all like 
big limiting factors of, you know, meeting people. And I thought Gatineau Park, for instance, was this faraway land. For the first six months that I lived here, I thought it was really far. And then I think, oh, naturally, I met my partner and he knew Gatineau Park really well. I started working at Mech Mountain Equipment Co-op, and that was really like my ticket to the outdoors and meeting all kinds of like wonderful people. Do you know Jonathan Smith? Yeah, Smithy. <laughs> people listening to the podcast are like, I don't know Jonathan Smith, but they should. <laughs> but they should. I, sh- I should have him on. First of all, he's has this amazing British accent, but he is one of those people that is so encouraging and bringing people in the outdoors. I think he's like the pinnacle of what like I like for this podcast is encouraging others to get outside. So that's actually a really good idea that I should have him on. That's a great idea. And if honestly, like, I've passed him on the bike path a bunch of times recently, and I could be having like the worst run the worst morning, and he'll just say like, good morning in his accent. And you're like, this day is gonna be amazing. (laughs) There's something about this like delightful British accent that just like instantly picks up your day. (laughs) Exactly. He's the best. I want to talk about your huge trail run win last year. You've been trail running and you've been on the trail since you were a kid. But when did you start taking trail running seriously? And then I want to talk about the race. Yeah, so I used to be very much into triathlon. I would say I like overdosed on triathlon, which I think a lot of like more endurance sport athletes will kind of agree with that you can really get the blinders on and and go all in. But through COVID, without having access to the pool and other facilities, I just decided to like take a little bit of a break. And I think I really needed just to take a break. And I had been trail running with the group that I lead, Ottawa Trail Crew, just once a week. But it was always like a fun little extra thing that we would do on the weekends. And then yeah, when everything when the world shut down, before they closed the park on us, I I committed myself. (laughs) That was a dark time. (laughs) No, that was a dark time. (laughs) Don't remind me of that. That was a dark time. (laughs) That was not a good time. (laughs) To describe it uh, very, very quickly, because you and I are on the on the Ontario side and Gatineau Park from me because I live downtown. I don't know where. Oh, yeah, you guys live in like Britannia area, right? Gatineau Park's only a 15 minute drive from downtown Ottawa. However, they shut the Ontario-Quebec border down. And it was like a month or a couple months at least during COVID. And it was a, it was a, like Ontario side and Ottawa has beautiful trails, but it was, yeah, it was a dark time for us Gatineau Park lovers. I even considered like in the last time they did it when we really thought it wasn't going to happen a second time. So spring of 2021, I actually looked at moving to Gatineau. (laughs) Just in case it happened again. (laughs) Like in a moment of panic, I was like, we can rent an Airbnb. Doesn't matter how much it's going to cost. Like, and thankfully my partner like kind of talked me out of it because it would have been thousands of dollars. We can rent our house out. We can move. We can. Yeah, I like I can vividly remember like sitting in the car listening to the government announcement on the radio and being like, Oh, this is it. We're gonna move to Quebec. (laughs) I don't know how you feel, but I imagine that like when I'm like sixty or seventy, I'm gonna live in like this little cabin in Gatineau Park in the middle of nowhere and just because there's so many there's so many people who live this lifestyle where they live there, they live or in Chelsea. And all they do is spend time outside all the time. And that's how I imagine my life in the the future. Absolutely. I like we are constantly searching for like an old home to buy that is semi affordable, but not like not Chelsea, but maybe north. So you can have access to the park without being around too many people. I want to take it back to the uh, the Quebec mega trail for a second. So 
this is one of like the big trail races in like Eastern Canada or is it in, in Canada? I don't know. I don't know much about about this trail, like about trail racing in general in Canada. So I'd love for you to tell me more. Yeah, I would say it's up there with one of the biggest in Canada, definitely the biggest in Eastern Canada. Yeah. And I had a wild race there last year. <laughs> I remember seeing seeing like that you were doing it and then it was like you won the 50k. I did. <laughs> so you're going into this obviously like you train very hard, but at what point were you running the race you're like, "Oh, I could actually win this." And what was going through your head? Yeah, I think that's the fun part because I didn't actually know that I won the race until even after I broke the tape. Like I thought that there was a mistake. Did they put the tape back up? Yeah, I was like, does everyone get this? This is lame. What? (laughs) There are photos of me, like hilarious photos of me at the finish line with this like really confused look on my face. I'm looking at my partner like, what? And he's like, Catherine, no, you won. (laughs) So yeah, I didn't, I went into it. I think that's the joy of trail running is that you put a lot of work in, but it never really feels like really super structured, like rigid training. It always feels like fun. I mean, some of it's not fun, but it usually is really fun. You know, you're out in the woods, whether you're by yourself or you're with friends and there's trees and animals and all kinds of fun things. So going into the race, I just wanted to enjoy it, celebrate being able to do a race still in the middle of the pandemic. I would just say like, I'm going to go out for a rip and see what happens. And yeah, I ended up having a really good run. The best run for females that day, actually. <laughs> you had the best run. <laughs> yeah, I, there's a selfie of me because I wasn't feeling good. It was a really warm day, like really humid. And I have a selfie that I took to send a friend. And it was just a look of like, I'm really hot. I'm going to die. And then I started feeling really good, which is the thing about some like ultra running and trail running is, you know, you have these highs and lows and you kind of have to ride out the lows to get the next high. And yeah, I was feeling really good. I was like chatting with people and just started picking them off. (laughs) What went right for you that day? If people are competitive, what went right for you? Like, was it the clearly everything, but your eating, your hydration, like if you could look back and be like, if you could exactly mimic what happened, sleep, whatever it is, what lined up exactly for you to win? Yeah, I think it was like a little bit of everything. Definitely sleep. I am like huge on sleep. So getting to a particularly a large race like that, getting there a couple days early if I can to kind of like get my own anxiety in check and then get some good sleep. Fueling went really well that day. I think I ate a lot. Yeah. And I think just not having the stress of, you know, so many races you go in and you're like, you have a certain objective, particularly my life on triathlon and road running is there's usually a time that you want to achieve and trail running time and pace really mean nothing at the end of the day, because, you know, whether it's a 50k up a mountain, or it could be a 50k, that's really flat. So I just wanted to go out and have fun. So I think I really think that like played into it is that there was no stress. I just I just did it. And you wanted to have fun and have a good day and have a good race and stay hydrated and not pass out at the end, right? Yeah, I just didn't want to die. So <laughs> and I said to my partner, like, I just want to lay in the grass like afterwards, like I'm dreaming of laying in the grass at Mont Saint-Anne, like everyone finishing the race, going through, having some water, and then just laying in the grass. <laughs> it's the best feeling. It's like, because it feels cool, right? It feels like really good. Yeah. So when I was running, I was just dreaming of just laying in the grass. <laughs> That's the best part about this is that you, and another one of my guests, Liam, Liam Waukee, 
<laughs> I think you probably have the same mindset that you go into it and you want to enjoy it, right? But like, I don't want to discount the fact that you train really hard also, right? You're not just lucky. You didn't just like walk into this and happen to win. You train, like you train a lot and you spend a lot of time outside. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yes, that's all. That's all you have to say. <laughs> That's all that I do. Uh, I just train. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, agreeing with what you said that, that Liam mentioned is it has to be it has to be fun. And I think that's what drew me to trail running and, and spending more time on the trails is that if I get more out of it than just getting faster and fitter, or whatever, just getting my exercise in, if it's like a mental boost, and it's it's stimulating on the trail, then that's so much more. I would love to know when it comes to like self-talk when you are doing, it doesn't have to be a race, when you're trail running and those thoughts are going through your head, how does it differ on the trail versus on the road? Yeah, I would say it's similar, but road running, because you have the constant intensity pretty much the entire time, depending on what you're doing, it's more so just like, hold on, usually for road running, kind of like that would be my mantra would be just like, hang in there. Trail running, I can usually distract myself, whether it's looking at what's around me or counting. If I'm climbing up a hill, I'll count to 10 and I'll count to 10 over and over and over and over and over again. So it's little things like that, which is really different from road running. I find it easier to like mentally check out when I'm on the trails, even though you have to be like fully zoned in because you'll fall. (laughs) And break something, break something. Yeah, like Liam. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's a great story too. Is there any moments when you it hits you and you think like this is beautiful? Are you able to enjoy it when you're out there? Yeah, so I think that's important. I think with trail racing and trail running in particular, you can easily kind of get into that tunnel vision if you're working really hard. So I try to at least look around if I'm racing and I don't feel like strategically it, it makes sense for me to take my phone out and take a photo, at least looking around and, you know, trying to soak it all in because yeah, at the end of the day, these trail races are usually held in like beautiful places. So we should appreciate that. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Let's take this outside with Marianne Iveson. 
Is there any pressure now that you won the Quebec Mega Trail? Is there any pre- like is there any pressure in your head where you're like, damn, I got to perform. I got to keep performing. I got to keep, damn it. I've proven to myself that I can do this. What's going on in your head there? Yeah, I think I think there's like a little bit of imposter syndrome that happened and is still happening from my experience last summer. Even just, you know, being kind of put into like the elite field. I didn't really think that I like belong there. I still am like questioning that. But yeah, trying to kind of embrace that pressure and not let it really affect, you know, what I'm doing, realizing that I'm, you know, training and racing for me. And yeah, we all have good days and we have bad days and that's just sport. So yeah, trying to not let it affect me too much. And as I bring it up, I'm like, is there any pressure? What's it? You're like, yeah, like, there's so much pressure. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to explode. Yeah. Unfortunately, within trail running too, like particularly in Eastern Canada, like there aren't that many really strong women on the trails. So turning up to a race, you can usually like you, if you creep ahead of time, you might know, but at the start line, there might be in a 50k, there might be like 10 women that you might want to like watch out for or that you might be able to run with. But, you know, unfortunately, the numbers are still so skewed more towards the men that, yeah, we still have a ways to go. Not that maybe you want more competition in those in those cases, but is there a part of you when you see that and you're like, there needs to be more women on the trails? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the thing is, there are a lot of women that are getting into trail running and they're getting into hiking and even just like feeling more comfortable to be outside alone in the woods after, you know, society tells us that we shouldn't do that. But there's still a disconnect between those people who are like the women who are training and running on the trails and then the, the women who are racing. And I'm not quite sure what will like bring those people, those women to racing. It seems to slowly be trickling in, but. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's like more awareness, more acceptance, more maybe we need like women only trail running, you know, like there's some of those road racing events just to kind of like get people get women to get their their feet wet. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's like, I think, you know, that's a much bigger question. And thank you for sharing your opinion with me. I had this woman on named Hannah Parrish, and Hannah's a big advocate for women's mountain biking. And it's still like, this is a great pun, but it's an uphill battle. <laughs> totally. It's an uphill battle and even getting more people like getting more of the BIPOC community out and the LGBTQ plus community out as well and getting more people out and having people feel welcome. I think that we need to do a better job of that. I think we need to be more welcoming and saying, yes, anyone can do this. It's accessible for all. Yeah, absolutely. And thankfully, I mean, there are locally groups and different pockets of them throughout Canada called Trail Sisters. So there is a local organization in Gatineau, Trail Sisters, and they're regularly having like 30 plus women out to their weekly run, which is great. They've only been, I think they've only been running for about a year, maybe, maybe less. So it's a start, you know, the group that we run with our Sunday run, we definitely need more women, definitely less than 50-50. agree that it's like an uphill battle. But I think now with like more awareness, more you know, even prize money, like more support, even at the elite level, that people can kind of start seeing themselves doing the same thing and, and being represented in that way, which might help more people get into the sport. And to see people like you doing it, and I think posting about it and being authentic about it, I think really encourages people, right? Whether it's hiking or trail running, or just trying a new sport, or like cross country skiing, or whatever that may be, I think trying it and being like, hey, everyone's welcome. It's like, it's accessible. Let's like, or let's make it more accessible. Let's have these lending libraries. And I think there's a lot more voices, especially Ottawa and locally, who are making it more accessible and affordable for a lot of people. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. You just you need to just be encouraging for people just to come out and try it. Bring a friend. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. But just come out and try it. You're a mild to marathon coach. So you do you do both road and trail coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you get out of coaching that you don't get out of your own training? I feel like it's a little different because you can kind of take a step back and you see athletes through the entire journey. You know, as an athlete, when you're when you're training, it's easy to kind of you're like in the thick of it. You can't really see the end of the tunnel. You're really far from the beginning of the tunnel. You're somewhere stuck in the middle. Whereas coaching, you can kind of see people like those aha moments. You can kind of see what makes them tick what, you know, makes them work really hard, what motivates them, which, yeah, I don't get that sense of satisfaction out of my own training. (laughs) So I have someone else that tells me what to do. Yeah, I think it's motivating in a very different way than my own training. Yeah, I'm constantly motivated and inspired by the people that I coach. It's just, it's very different. It's very motivating in a very different way. And speaking of motivation, and you, you brought up your partner, Nat, at Fiance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We are engaged. That's like a weird title. So (laughs) like he's he's just he's here. He's obviously an athlete, too. I would love to know what that's like to date someone or be with someone who is so motivated or as motivated as you and training together. And like that's, you know, that's a whole that's a whole other ballgame. Maybe it's so natural for you now. But yeah, it's funny because I think I think it, it works obviously really well for us. We've been together for, I don't know, eight and a half years or something. So it works for us, but I can see where it wouldn't work. We are very competitive like with each other, but in a healthy way. And I think that that's encouraging. Thankfully, we are you know close enough in like speed and, and strength that we can do a lot of our stuff together. So whether it's, you know, we want to go out for a long day on the trails, particularly through the pandemic when you know, we weren't supposed to be hanging out with anybody else, we could go out for like a three or four hour trail run or a long bike ride or something together. And I wasn't feeling like I was going to die, which is nice. But I can see how like the competitive edge might be a little bit too much for like other couples. But it also means I've been in other relationships where, you know, the other partner wasn't active and it really just didn't. It's so much of of my life and my personality that I like, I don't think it would ever work. (laughs) Well, I'm glad this is working. (laughs) Yeah, it's working. I mean, I got a ring on my finger, so it's it's working. Do you have any, especially through the pandemic, things change so much, but do you have any daily routines or must-haves when it comes to getting outside and connecting? And how much of like the nature part of it factors into like the wholeness of your exercise? Yeah, it's interesting. So growing up in Newfoundland, you kind of say goodbye to the sun in like November or so, because it's typically pretty gray overcast until maybe March. So I have very much always been kind of like a seize the day. If it's sunny, you should be outside from sun up till sundown. And I'm trying to kind of take a step back from that because it's sunny in Ottawa a lot. (laughs) So there are days in the summer where you're like, you know, I I just feel compelled to be outside all day. And my partner will be like, Catherine, it's going to be sunny tomorrow (laughs) again. Your vitamin D levels must be extraordinary. I mean, I'm sure they're probably like not great. But in terms of routines, I mean, outside of like actual training, whether it's, you know, running or cycling or whatever, I love to walk. And I think, I think a lot of people discovered it throughout the the pandemic, but it is really, I think, undervalued just to go out for a walk, like 20 minutes, 
10 minutes even around your block or I mean, thankfully I live really close to the river so I can just two minutes and I'm kind of along the river and I can pretend that I'm next to the ocean if I close my eyes. Hopefully there's some seagulls. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Next time I'm going to walk behind you and make like whale sounds like, ooh, was that an owl? I'm not sure what a seagull sounds like. <laughs> some kind of squeak, like scream or squeal. Ah, wait, what does a whale sound like? Mm. Is it like, <laughs> I'm just going to follow you, make whale sounds. You should do that. And I'd be like, where am I? Am I in Newfoundland right now? <laughs> I don't even know what my question was. Uh, Oh, walking. You like walking? (laughs) And do you have any trail race plans this year? Do you have any races in general? Are you getting back into cycling triathlons? What's next? What's the future for you? Yeah, I have. I'm going to head back to Quebec Mega Trail in July. So I'm sure I'll have a target on my back for that race. But it'll be fun. I know the course really well. It's beautiful. It's yeah, it'll just be fun to be there. Another couple events, I'm actually going to go back to Newfoundland in August for an ultra, 50k ultra there in Cornerbrook. And I'm actually supposed to be doing ultra running, trail running world championships in Thailand in November. So cool. We'll see. There's a big asterisk. It's, uh, we're not really sure because it was canceled last year and like postponed. So we're not really sure in terms of like if I'm on the team or do I have to requalify? I'm not sure, but. Maybe Thailand in November. That's super cool. Catherine Cochran, this has been awesome and really nice to actually chat with you. And so, like, we do like the wave and like the high, but it was really nice to like get to know you better and get to know your background. And here's the thing is, I will definitely see you on the trails, whether it's planned or not, because that's just how small this community is. Yeah, I'll probably see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. For more, let's take this outside. Go to ivisonvoice.com slash podcast. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.